Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to the show. I have a lot of fun doing this show. I get to meet lots of exciting people. Many of you reach out and contact me, and some of you give me some great advice. Wait a minute, that didn't sound right. You all give me great advice. Some of you give advice that's better to receive than others. Recently, I got some advice from Bez, uh, whose Twitter handle is Stuff by Bez. Bez, I heard you. Uh, nice exchange on Twitter. And uh, this episode is going to kind of you influence that a little bit. So just so you know. I also want to thank some of my Patreon backers. It's been nice to see that growing as more and more of you have joined on. Recently, Robert, thank you. And I've got Jason out there who uh, just increased his and Chris who likes the content. His sister was getting content that he didn't have access to. And she says, he said, how do you get to hear this stuff? Be a Patreon backer because I have bonus content that goes on there for those who are participating. So thanks to uh, some of those uh, Patreon backers, Luke, Luke, you, you, you canceled your uh, pledge. I need to know why reach out to me. Let me know if I upset you, but uh, let me know. My guest today is somebody who has I've had a wonderful conversation as we've led up to this uh, episode, and he has been a longtime listener. He reached out because something unique happened. There was an election. It had a huge impact on his campaign. It changed the way um, he looks at things in the world, and I'm not talking about the U.S. presidential campaign. I am talking about <laughs> Brexit, and we're going to talk about the impact that Brexit had. I want to say welcome to my guest, who is Gino Brancasio. Gino, is that how you pronounce it? That's it. Yep, Gina Brancasio. Thank you, Richard. Oh, it is a pleasure to have you here. You're joining me from – are you in Cardiff or are you near Cardiff? I'm in Cardiff, in Cardiff in the UK, in Wales. Excellent. Well, you sound like you're next door, and uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. We were just talking about how Skype allows us to do amazing conversations all over the world. It's late there for you, and I appreciate that you're taking some time to, uh, to chat. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. I'm, I'm really, really pleased to be here, and I'm really grateful for you bringing the show back. So on behalf of everyone else who's listening, who I'm sure is thinking the same thing, thank you for coming back and uh, bringing the show back. Can I just say hello to Bez as well? Because Bez is from uh, the local community. We often see Bez uh, in, in local board game events um, around the UK. So hey, Bez, well done. Well, there you go. I had no idea. Actually, this was <laughs> not a direct result of that. And uh, I think no. you, you and I, how did we uh, get in contact? I think you reached out to me, didn't you? Yeah, I sent you a message on Twitter uh, yes. to, about our story. So I thought if this was any interest to you, then uh, maybe we could have a quick chat. It was interesting to me. So you have – let's talk about – what we're doing is we're talking about the impact. Your Kickstarter campaign successfully funded, but then because of external events, nearly uh, failed um, because of the catastrophic, catastrophic decision that was <laughs> made <laughs> to, uh, to uh, turn your world upside down. So tell us a little bit about what happened. Yeah, so um, to give you the long and short of it, um, we had a, a cam campaign for a board game called Ghost or Lust. January, we successfully funded uh, in February, um, which um, we raised twenty thousand pounds, which is about twenty nine thousand um, dollars in February of last year, um, with five hundred and five backers. And it was all going well. Um, we'd reached our funding goal. Um, in fact, we'd gone slightly over. We'd hit some funding targets. Um, but one thing we hadn't accounted for was uh, changes in exchange rates. So we'd allowed ourselves a bit of a buffer in terms of you know unexpected expenses or 
costs we hadn't quite accounted because it's our first campaign. Um, but then on the uh, 23rd of June, um, we got the results of Brexit. And Brexit meant that the UK left the European Union. And on that day, when the result came out, the value of the pound dropped, um, plummeted is one word that people use. Um, and that meant that the the money that we had from the Kickstarter campaign, which we had in pounds, um, because the majority of our expenses, in fact, almost all of our expenses were actually in American dollars, we suddenly had to be much more aware of that exchange rate. So um, our manufacturers in China, they accept the US dollars. Our illustrator is American, so he accepted US dollars. And as a result of the Brexit result, the value of the pound versus the dollar dropped by about 9%. So within 24 hours, we lost 9% of our, of our um, raised funds. And it cost us about $2,500 in one day. And this is after the campaign was ended. You're now in the middle of production. Is that correct? That's correct. So yeah, we'd um, we were waiting for the artist to finish some of the artwork, and once that would happen, we would obviously pay him, and then we were going to pay the manufacturers to get started on the campaign uh, on manufacturing our board game. So we hadn't paid any of our costs yet. We still had that money sitting in a bank account in pounds, and uh, within 24 hours, we just lost uh, almost 10 percent of it. So what did you do? Uh, well, we panicked to start with, um, <laughs> and then. <laughs> and what does panic look like? I mean, can I mem- I remember Benny Hill shows where they ran around going. <laughs> right was it that kind of panic imagine that on a keyboard so um me and my uh, my project co-creator bevan who's the designer of the game uh, bevan clatworthy uh, we communicate on slack because we live about 150 miles from each other and so there were many many messages in fact a few phone calls saying oh what do we do what do we do next um and we decided we'd take the optimistic route. So we thought, well, look, it's pretty bad, but it can't get much worse. Um, so let's let's hold on. Let's see if the exchange rate goes back up and we'll regain some of that value. Um, so that's what we thought we would do. We'd wait to see um, if the exchange rate repaired itself, if it went a bit back, you know, a bit higher up again, back to, in our favor, and uh, to see if it would recover some of those costs. Um, unfortunately, that was the wrong decision. Uh, by the time we got to about January, when we were about to pay um, most of our fees. Oh, okay, hang, um, on, hang it, on. So January, sorry, was there anything happening in the world in january that might have affected international currencies oh a few things i think that might have happened around about then <laughs> yeah i think there was another election that had just resulted in the u.s that was, it was ha- a small thing it wasn't really in the news much oh, probably not, not, it was probably tough to ha- get it in sideways with your brexit thing so go ahead sorry so yeah. this is january now that you've held all to your money you're nine percent lost you're thinking it can't get much better worse yeah, we thought well, it couldn't get much worse, and, and it did. It, it'd been going up and down a little bit, but um, by the time we had to pay a lot of our fees, it now dropped to um, just shy of 19% of a loss of value of the pound versus the dollar. So whereas we started with about $29,000, $30,000 worth of funds, um, that money was now worth about $24,000 as a result of the exchange rate. And so you can, now, now what do you do? Because now you're into the crunch time, and and let's, and let's draw a point here. We're not talking about – we've had some uh, success, and this is what Bez reached out to me and said, look, we've got you – know, when we talk to the big people the, mm-hmm. that are raising hundreds of thousands and now millions of dollars, that's one thing. But when you're talking about 20% of your loss on 30, you know, almost $30,000 worth of funding, that's, mm-hmm. y- there's no cushion there. There's no way to find no. that money. So what do you do at that point? 
So from the very beginning, once this news had broken about Brexit, we were very clear with our backers what was going on. We wanted to make sure we were open um, with everyone and explain what was happening and what we were going to be doing about it. So um, we kept the updates coming. Um, they were public so that everyone could see them, not just backers, so that they knew what was going on. Um, and we told them we were committed to making sure that we were going to deliver every single copy of the game. Um, they were going to be delivered on time where possible. Um, and we were not going to reduce the quality of the game. So we weren't going to take any components out. We weren't going to reduce the quality of the components. We weren't going to skimp on any of the artwork. Um, we, we committed to that and, and we knew we had to obviously raise the funds to be able to do that, but we were going to do it. Um, we had pretty much invested any money we had into the game before the campaign. So we were limited in terms of that. Um, but what we did do uh, between, like I said, June um, and January, you start trying to raise more funds. So we did uh, three things, essentially. One of the first things we did was we reached out to our backers and we said, look, you know, you had the opportunity to get a few add-ons and a few extra copies of the game. Um, if you are thinking now that you want to buy a few add-ons or a few more copies of the game for friends and family, um, this is your opportunity. Send us an email and we'll send you a PayPal invoice and we can we can add that to your pledge. Um, and the the response from our fans uh, from our backers was huge. So immediately we had a, a you know plenty of, uh, of new orders for games and more add-ons that were coming in. So that helped us raise um, some money, but obviously uh, it wasn't quite the twenty percent we needed to get back. Um, so one of the other things we did then as well is we started making um, anything we could that we could sell at conventions between um, us funding the campaign and us paying for the manufacturing. So um, I have a 3D printer at home. It's a hobby of mine. And we made um, uh, 3D printed meeple shaped earrings. We made 3D printed uh, meeples that were in multiple colors so people could choose if they wanted two or three tones of colors in their meeple rather than just a single color, they could do it. Um, anything like that we could think of to do um, some sort of fundraising. In fact, we went to a few events did where you, we did a go on sorry no no sorry you were about to tell us uh, where you did what uh we did a, a lucky dip so you know we had a box full of dice that we made uh, that looked like a d6 and people could pay 50 pence that's you know about 30 cents worth um to have a go and if they pulled out the golden dice then they they got a prize you know things like this for children uh to have fun and just it was it was fun for everyone but also helped us uh raise attention and raise awareness of what we were doing and help us sell more things while we were there because while people were doing with the lucky dip um we also had copies of ghost out and people were looking at it and that's an opportunity for us then to some take some pre-orders so people had never heard of us uh, when we were going to board game conventions we didn't have ghost or with us to sell but what we were able to do is take pre-orders by people that were coming to our stall to see these meeples that we were printing and the, the the fun games we were running they could see the game on display or at least one of our prototype copies and we took pre-orders the only thing missing then was what i was about to say is meeple shaped cookies did you have a bake sale to raise money because how fun it didn't seem fun at the time but you know how fun that this type of urgency uh, generates this type of creativity that things that you would have never done, you, yep. you find yourself out there reaching a whole new network of people, a whole new group of people you'd never seen. Although 50 pence at a dip, that's a whole lot of dipping to get to thousands of <laughs> thousands of dollars. Yeah, that, that one wasn't really helpful. That one was just for fun. We were trying to think of ways to make it fun for people. And uh, that one was, was, was fun for us more than anything else. But it got, but them, it to it it got them to stop. 
yeah, it, it brought people to the stand. And as a result of that, we had um, more pre-sales for the order for, for Ghost Hall because they came to have a go at some of the fun things we were doing um, and they could see Ghost Hall out there and we talked to them about it and what we were doing and why we we're trying to raise funds. Um, and then people made pre-orders. You know, it was good. And that, that brought us actually quite a large way to, to recovering some of our funds. Um, the last thing that happened then is that we reached out to um, distributors. So um, I know we've talked on, you talked on a podcast before about um, distributors being wary of Kickstarter campaigns and, and obviously, you know, sort of filling the, the community the board gaming hobby with games by kickstarter orders and there'd be nothing left afterwards well we were a small campaign 505 backers we knew that there were more board gamers out there that would probably be interested um and just before our fees were due with our manufacturer we actually landed two distributed deals one in the uk and one in america um, which helped us then raise the rest of the funds to, to be able to produce the game at the levels we needed to let's talk about that real quick because you're referring yeah. to the conversation i've had with aldo Giazzi, who's been on the show that's um, right talking about this distributor concept specifically, and I've had Isaac uh, Childress with uh, Gloomhaven, that they've done some things, some pre-orders. Tell me a little bit so that the audience listening knows, what do you mean that you landed some distributor deals? What does that mean? So we, we obviously, we, we had a minimum print run from our manufacturer, and the majority of those went to our board game, uh, our Kickstarter backers. But we had some stock left over um, that we wanted to be able to sell to distributors. So we um, we contacted distributors in the UK, in America, and in Europe um, to say, look, we've got some copies of this game. You know, the RIP is this. Um, if you think your your retailers will be interested in it, then you know, let's have a let's have a conversation and see if we can sell um, to you, and you can then sell on to your retailers. And we managed to land. And, uh, like I said, a deal in the UK and a deal in America for that. Excellent. And that made up that shortfall. Then you were able to to do that. Is that correct? It is. In fact, uh, so the first two deals um, made up that shortfall. And then the distributor in America actually came back to us after a few weeks. They'd sold off. Uh, they sold out of all their copies and they wanted to make a second order. Um, and that was actually for the remaining stock that we had. We sold all of it. Um, and that gave us then the, the rest of the money we needed to make it plus a little bit extra, which was uh, which was a lovely surprise. So you're, and, and this is part of the, also the conversation, you're, this is not your day job. No, no, this is a, evening and weekends, this is a part-time job. Right, and, yeah. and so this, this is a part-time job. You, well, it feels like a full-time job, but it's in the evenings and weekends. Right, and you have a family. I think uh, you and I talked. You have a family. Yeah. You have a, uh, a young child. Yes, and um, those who are uh, observant will – so my son is 16 months old, and um, that ties in perfectly with our Kickstarter campaign, which is also about 16 months old. Um, so we launched on January 26th. We funded on February 26th, and my son was born on February the 2nd. Um, so in the middle of the Kickstarter campaign, just like John Covey has just done on his campaign, I had a child smack bang in the middle. Yes, uh, your timing on these global events in your life is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing how you're able to do that. Yes, and, yeah. and, and you mentioned John Covey because John, who's been on the show multiple times, um, you and I have you and he have a special connection because one of the things that you do is you have a background in physics, correct? Yeah, so my training originally was in uh, as a science teacher, so I taught physics for um, secondary school, uh, so high school. And then John Covey, who's been on the show, his campaigns are all targeted around uh, not physics, but. Science, yeah. Science, yes. Yeah, science yeah. is a great term. And it's interesting because Isaac Childress, who was just on the show, has a PhD in physics. <laughs> I'm starting to think I missed my calling in, in, at the university that I should have gone into physics if I wanted to be successful in the board game space. I think so. I think that's, that's clearly a, a trait that's coming along, I think. It, it seems to be doing well. So you have something, though. We've talked about community and the board game space because you and John have a, a connection because you drive a um, – you were telling me about a, a website, a community around uh, science. Tell us a little bit about that. 
it started off as a as a blog and it turned into a Facebook page um, about science. So it was about um, originally the plan was to help people understand um, the headlines of science in a bit more detail. So often you see these these scientific headlines that come around and there's not much detail behind them. The big one was the Large Hadron Collider CERN in in, the, in Europe. You know, people were asking lots of questions about it, creating black holes and whatnot, and is it really going to happen? The God, so I created the God blog. particle being uh, one of the conversations that came out of that, right? Exactly, exactly that. So there was no real. I felt at the time no place on facebook or in a blog for people to ask those questions and get answers so i created this facebook page and it evolved into more than that and it became about science in general and and, and sharing information and we built up a community of about sixty-five thousand followers on facebook in the end who sort of follow content that I, i'm share about the latest science news things like that well and, and, um, and, then, and then john's play so, into that yeah, so um, I, I've heard of John through the Facebook and board gaming community, so the Kickstarter and board gaming community. Um, I liked what he was doing with the science-based games. Um, he actually asked us to review one of his games for our board gaming stuff. And I said, well, look, I've got a science blog here. So uh, if you're happy for me to do it, I'll share it on my page. Um, so I did. And the, the scientific community loved it. They've, 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 they've really enjoyed um, seeing his games and his books. And it's, it's often the most popular posts I have on my page are actually now John's content. So every time he's got a new project coming out, I always make sure to tell him for him to tell me when the launch date is and give me a link because that's the most popular thing I post these days, uh, links to his, his Kickstarter campaigns. Gino, and that brings up a really valid point, and that is whenever you're participating, and this is for people who are starting off, and we have this conversation oftentimes, if you've got a project, building a community, and not just a collection of people who like a Facebook page, but actually an active community where you can give back and forth, this is a perfect example. John is creating content that is valuable to your community, and mm-hmm. your community is valuable to John Covey over at uh, Genius Games. And the two of you then coming together is bringing value to both of your organizations. The relationship actually brings value. Sounds like a perfect marriage um, that we're all striving for. But this is actually how this community works, right? I give to you, you give to me, and both of our communities benefit from that. Absolutely. And it's been it's been really good for both of us, I think. Obviously, I'm happy to send people John's way because I, I, any contribution I give to his campaigns, I think the stuff he does is fantastic and I, and I want to be able to support him. And at the same time, my, my community of, of people who are interested in learning more about science love what they see. You know, a lot of them are science teachers or people at university and they, they want to be able to engage in that community and for them to be able to do that with books for their children or um, board games they can play. That is something they want to grab hold of. So, yeah, it's definitely mutually beneficent, uh, uh, beneficial uh, um, a relationship between the two of us. And so where can people go to find out more information about you and your project um, and your uh, ghost of your, your game? Uh, they can go to our website. So on our website, www.tinkerbotgames.com, um, there's more about Ghostal. You can see about the game itself and, and more about the game. But also we've got a blog on there, and one of the blog um, categories is about um, uh, board game design tips, but also lessons we've learned about the campaign. So um, things like this that essentially are mistakes we made along the way that we want other people to learn from, uh, we put them on there. So if you go and follow our blog and sign up to our newsletter, um, anytime we've realized we've made a mistake, we want other people to learn from it. So um, that's one of them. And the advice I would give people now, so um, when we did this with Ghostal, we raised the money in pounds because we're a British company, but all our expenses were in dollars. So um, for Ghostal, what we should have done is convert the money into dollars the moment we received it from Kickstarter or done the campaign in dollars to start with. Because if your expenses are in one particular currency, you want 
to make sure your funds are in that currency because, you know, you may get lucky and the exchange rate may work in your favor, but you also run the risk of it working against you like we did. So the mistake we made here was by having our funds in one currency and our expenses in a different currency. Um, and as a result of that, then we, we lost it. So those sort of design, not, those sort of uh, tips and lessons we've learned that you can find on our blog and um, on our podcast where we talk about it as well. Tinkerbot.com, is that what it was? Sorry, tinkerbotgames.com. Tinkerbotgames.com. And then the last piece, we've got just a few uh, seconds here, is that when you say run the campaign in dollars, if you're a UK-based company, yes. how do you run the campaign in dollars? So you, you can, you can um, obviously work with an American partner who could run the campaign for you um, from the American location, but it's – there's issues with that then and it's possibly not as a clean way to do it i think what we would do in future is run the campaign in pounds um and then we would convert the funds as soon as we receive it got it perfect great advice gino thank you so much uh for being on the show can you stick around for a little bit we'll just uh, we'll chat afterwards for some patreon content absolutely of course no problem you've been listening to funding the dreamline kickstarter my guest has been gino Brancazio. <laughs> sorry gino yep that's and okay. Tinkerbotgames.com. We've been talking about how things like Brexit and other things in the world can have an impact on your Kickstarter campaign, particularly if you're operating in multiple currencies. Something to think about that through all your planning, you might not have taken into consideration. I want to say thanks for listening. It's always a pleasure to spend a few minutes with you uh, in your car, in your home, in your head as you're going about your life. Thank you for the support that you've given to me over the years, and thank you very much for being supportive of this podcast. Thanks for listening. Take care.